live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon and welcome aboard to this middle of the week hump day, Wednesday, August 17th, the year 2020. Hope you're having a 2022. Hope you're having a spectacular day. It's a, it's a hot one, but it's not raining, knock on wood. So kind of sort of a chamber of commerce day. My main man, James Bash. Now I'm wearing this shirt that says the ceiling is the roof. Uh, Michael Jordan coined that uh innocuous phrase but what is the ceiling for the saints what is the ceiling for the tigers the cajuns the cowboys well um we're coming down to cases as uh, the regular season is right around the corner we'll get reports um on the tigers and the saints and the nfl and all kinds of stuff today my main man james mesh back in the master control suite in the game studios which are on the campus of delta media which houses klwb which is 1037 lafayette we're also on 1041 lake charles we are streaming around the world 1037 thegame.com 1041 thegame.com and if you happen to be in the acadiana area we are uh simulcast on stadium 32.3 and 133 on lus fiber did you miss the headlines of the day not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, um, while LSU scrimmaged today, a very important scrimmage, they keep the recruiting lines going. And Brian Kelly uh, remained hot as a firecracker, securing the commitment of St. James athlete Kai Preen, a six foot, 190 pound um, prospect uh, who chose LSU over Auburn. Mississippi State, and Florida State. So he's an athlete, which means he can play in a multitude of positions. That gives LSU its 21st commitment for the year 2023, that class. And it's the fifth in a row from the state of Louisiana. Not to be outdone, let's turn to hoops because my man, Matt McMahon, shows um, – that he can recruit as well. Remember, he completely rebuilt this year's LSU basketball club following Will Wade's firing. Um, And McMahon now shows not only can he recruit the transfer portal, but he can recruit the high school ranks as well. He landed a commitment from the top player in Louisiana for the year 2023. That would be six foot eight forward Corey Chess Jr., the nation's number 12 power forward. He's from New Orleans, played at Eleanor McMain, but he's going to finish his high school career at one of those prep academies in Branson, Missouri at Link Academy. Um, who did he choose between? Well, he took LSU over Kansas, <laughs> that's all I need to say. And Houston, another really, really dynamic basketball school. So congratulations to uh, Matt McMahon. Jumping back to football. Um, 
It's a two-horse race for the quarterback position. We're going to get Cokie Riley here in about 10 minutes. Uh, He was at the scrimmage today to give us the very latest update on that. In the meantime, the quarterback race, Jaden Daniels, talked about uh, his journey from Arizona State and transferring to LSU. Yeah, just my journey, you know, went to Arizona State, obviously, for three years. Decided to make the, the transfer, uh, make the best decision for me and my future. Um, you know, just the opportunity to come here. The opportunity that presented itself, you know, to come in and compete at the highest level against, you know, the best conference in the, in the college football, the SC West. So to be able to go here, be able to be around the talent that matches uh, where I'm trying to go and where I'm trying to be. So that's why, was, that's the reason why I chose to come here. Okay. Want to play with the best against the best. Um, and he, he kind of talked about it, you know, that. And you hear it in all these quarterback races. And there's a quarterback race at LSU. There's one in in Lafayette with UL. There's one in Lake Charles with McNeese. They're all got quarterback battles here. Everybody's trying to figure it out. And they all say the right thing. They all say, no, no, we we really like one another. We're trying to bring out the best in one another. But Jaden Daniels says, no matter where you go, you got to fight, right? Here we go. I mean, it's always, you know, no matter where you go, it's always the better yourself. You know, I, I know what I present to the table is at the end of the day, you know, like I said, it doesn't matter who they start. You know, I, it's a great quarterback room. It's one of the top quarterback rooms in the, in the country. So, you know, we got talented guys all around. So I just want to help prepare them, help them prepare me, because at the end of the day, whoever they call to be the starter, that's going to be the starter. There you go. Garrett Nussmeyer, who's also competing for the job, um, was asked – He's always been termed the the word gunslinger. I, I, what does that mean? Okay, gunslinger, whatever. But here's Nussmeyer talking when asked about the question, are you trying to get away from being called that, labeled that? Yeah, I mean, that's something I've said before. Um, I think it got lost in translation a little bit, um, you know, as far as, you know, I'm still take shots and uh, any quarterback should, you know, when, when they're given to you, though, I think is the biggest thing that I've learned is uh, take them when they're given to you, take them when you're supposed to take them and um, just continue to lead the offense and move the chains is what I've been taught my whole life. A very young career. He was asked, what would you put on top of your resume for football? I think the biggest thing for both of us um, and what we've been working on and what we've been learning a lot about is uh, just leading and, you know, being being one unit, being together, because at the end of the day, all that matters is that LSU wins on Saturday. There you go. Well said for a red shirt freshman. Koki Riley will join us in about eight minutes to give us the lowdown on what took place at the uh, on the Ponderosa, the Charles McClendon practice facility. It was supposed to be in Tiger Stadium. They didn't do that. They'll do that the next scrimmage that they have. Michael Huguenin will join us. We'll talk all about um, the college football landscape, what's he hearing, and get his thoughts on things. Um, John Hendricks will join us to begin our number two. He is in uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin for the Saints and the Packers practices. Day two today. We'll get an update on that. Uh, meanwhile, honey, the Honey Badger, uh, Tyron Matthew, uh, met with the media and uh, was, was asked about his assessment of this team and who's the leader of this team. I think we're going to be pretty good, especially defensively. I, you know, I think we got the right leader, you know, Demario Davis. Uh, you know, he's kind of he's constantly pushing us, you know, each and every day. I think we got great coaches too, you know, between Ryan and Chris. You know, really two of the best minds I've been around on the defensive side, you know, really outside of Todd Bowles. You know, really just trying to gel together. Um, and, and most of this is just committing to, to each other. 
You know, I think all of us are, are really good athletes and we all are pretty smart for the most part. It's just taking that next step and committing to your teammates. Um, and that's what usually brings out the best, you know, in the group. I love me some Honey Badger. I really do. You know who else loves the Honey Badger? Marcus Lattimore. Listen to what he said about Matthew. Just his quickness, awareness, just his, his ability to pick up, you know, on the offense quick, you know. So that's just what I like out of, of a safety. You know, he, he really knows how to go get it. So, yeah. He knows how to go get it. He, he, I mean, ever since his days at LSU, um, he, he knows how to go and get it. So we'll have a report from uh, John Hendricks uh, on that. Um, no word on Kevin Durant, but there is word about another superstar in the NBA. The Lakers' LeBron James has agreed on a two-year, $97.1 million contract extension, including a player option for the 2024-2025 season. That, according to Clutch Sports CEO Rich Paul, James had been entering the final year of a deal worth $44.5 million. Um, a poll came out, or a study came out, ranking the best college football coaches from national contenders to overachievers and they put them in tiers um and the first tier obviously are the national contenders and this is under the category of coaches who led te- who lead teams pegged to regularly compete for the college football playoff or to do so in the near future of course, Nick Saban is on is number one on every list when it comes to coaches. Great coaches. He's number one. Dabo Sweeney of Clemson, number two. At number three, Kirby Smart of Georgia. Number four, Lincoln Riley of USC. Number five, Brian Kelly at LSU. And here's what they said. Kelly was always upfront about how national championships are the only goal that matters at Notre Dame. Now, while he didn't win one, he guided the Irish to their most successful, their most consistently successful stretch since Lou Holtz's tenure. Notre Dame made two college football playoff appearances, finished as the national runner-up in 2012, and won 54 games with five AP Top 12 finishes in Kelly's final five seasons there. Kelly also recorded a Top 4 finish with Cincinnati. He's won everywhere, including a MAC title at Central Michigan and two Division II national titles at Grand Valley State. Anything less than a national title at LSU will be be a major disappointment for Kelly. So he is right up there in the upper echelon of coaches. And that bodes so, so well. Um, All right. Well, we got a busy, busy day planned for you and yours. So sit back and relax. And, you know, football season is here. And the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. You can score $500 to chop specialty meets, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Raging Cajun football games, and so much more. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and The Game. When we return... 
here on the game. Koki Riley will join us as we talk all things LSU, a very important scrimmage. Is any of the two quarterbacks nudge themselves? Is there separation? If the game started tomorrow, who would it be? We'll find out after this timeout here on the Jordy Heltberg Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. 18 minutes after the hour, we are back. It's time to talk LSU football brought to you by Eon of Lafayette. Touchless robotic laser. You don't feel a thing, but you lose those unwanted pounds in the belly section. Cokie Riley covers LSU football, baseball, basketball for the USA Today Sports South region with the Daily Advertiser. Kind of an important day as the Tigers scrimmaged out on the Ponderosa. Cokie, thank you for your time, buddy. How are you? Thanks for having me uh, again, Jordy. This is, uh, I'm looking forward to talking about this. Absolutely. So who's the starting quarterback? <laughs> uh, that's a really. That's all question. everybody wants to know. That's all they want to know. Well, I, I, I can t- I can confirm it to you that it's not going to be Miles Brennan. Um, <laughs> I, I'll tell you that. <laughs> okay. For what? Right, so um, what happened uh, today? What? So what happened today that you saw? Okay. Um, yeah. So I. I, w- w- I mean, what we saw today was. Uh, pretty evenly split reps between uh, Jane Daniels and Garrett Mus- Nussmeyer, really until uh, the scrimmage portion of practice, which was toward the end. Um, and then I noticed that Daniels pr- had probably the majority of the first team snaps, even though Nussmeyer did get um, his uh, a decent share of the second team snaps as well, uh, of the first team snaps as well. Um, okay. uh, I. I think that Daniels outplayed him today. I'm not saying that this means that Daniels is definitely going to be the starter, but I thought Daniels looked a little bit more composed. I thought he looked like he was a little bit more control of the offense. Um, he he was probably maybe a tad more accurate. He looked really good today, and um, Kelly even noted it in in his uh, in his post game and not post game post practice availability today that right. he thought. Um, the ball is coming out of his, his hands pretty well today. And uh, uh, frankly, I would agree because um, I, I thought he looked really good. Okay. Um, did he show some of his running ability um, during the practice at all? Oh, yeah. There was one uh, There was one sequence in particular where he made a first down throw to Jeray Jenkins, and then on a read option play in the next play, he scooted around for a roughly 15 yards before uh, getting touched. Uh, yeah. because the quarterbacks don't get tackled during practice for obvious reasons. So sure. that was a pretty explosive play because he hit him as a runner. He's a really explosive runner. We all know this, and he confirmed it uh, during availability yesterday that he's been clocked at running 21 miles per hour during practice um, mm. before. So he's – I mean, yeah, you see that explosive running ability on display, but it's not, it's not what we saw more of in the spring, which is – um, he's not just ducking and running, you know. He he is uh, looking down the field, trying to trying to make right. a pass more than okay. he is just uh, just putting his head down and trying to get some yards on the ground, which is um, which is kind of a good sign of his development because in the spring he looked pretty fidgety uh, when yeah. it comes to his, when it came to throwing and running and all that sort of stuff. Okay, Koki Riley with us. So advantage slightly. Jaden Daniels in the quarterback race based upon what you saw today. Running backs, 
What's going on there? Is anybody has anybody taken control of that room? I think there's a lot, there's been a lot of rotation. I think there will there will continue to be a lot of rotation. I, I mean, John Emery took probably most of the second team reps today, but I don't. I also don't totally expect him to be the second or third team running back for the entire season. At the same time, um, I thought Noah Kane had a lot of first team reps as of Armani Goodwin today, but I don't know if either of those guys are confirmed to be the number one running back. I think all three of those guys are going to play a decent bit this season, and I don't think they're going to. Ha- I don't think Ellis is going to have a true number one running. Back this year and um that and again that goes beyond of what just kelly is saying and kelly said that quite a few times that they're going to play try, try to play a lot of these guys um but that's just really what we've seen from practices so okay. far um Fair enough. but it, but they're really rotating it quite a bit like it's hard to really decipher exactly who the number one running back is or who even the number three running back is <laughs> Okay, the LSU defensive line is supposed to be one of the best in the country. How is LSU's offensive line managing against them? Um, they're trying to hang in there. I will say they're certainly not dominating them by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. Uh, in the 11-11s, in the, uh, the, the scrimmage portion of practice, uh, the quarterback's usually under some sort of duress and get, a, get the ball up pretty quickly, which is part of the reason why I thought Daniels looked good, because he was making quick decisions with the football okay. as a thrower, okay. um, not allowing that pass rush to get there. And, and even if it does get there, he does a pretty good job of avoiding it. And if that's another point of Daniels' ledger, let that be another point of ledger. Um, so as for the offensive line, I mean, there's a lot of rotation there. Uh, today we got some clarity as to who the top eight or nine guys are. Um, okay. It's the regular starting unit, uh, which includes Will Campbell at left tackle, Traymond Shorts at left guard, uh, Garrett Dellinger at center, Miles Frazier at right guard, and Anthony Bradford at right tackle. Uh, okay. There could be some movement um, uh, with that unit, particularly on Saturday. Where Kelly specifically mentioned that Cam Wire is going to get some get a look at right tackle with Bradford moving the guard. Um, mm-hmm. For the first team, and there's definitely still there's still opportunities for Charles Turner um, and Marcus Dumerville to uh, slide into uh, one of those starting spots. So that those five aren't totally set, and Emory Jones is a ninth uh, member who who could potentially slide in there as well. Uh, so I mean, those guys are just trying to figure it out. And yeah. uh, I mean, Garrett Dellinger, I think, kind of notably had some snapping problems today at. During the scrimmage, uh, Kelly wasn't too too concerned about that, uh, but that, that was that that was a like a really visual reminder of the fact that that this team really doesn't have a true number one center. That Charles okay. Turner could certainly still take that job, um, but it, yeah, it's it's a bit of a work in progress, but it hasn't been a total disaster though. Maybe I, I'll Mason. Say that. Maybe Mason Smith's making Dellinger a little bit nervous. I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah. Maybe he's wor- more worried about blocking than snapping, but he can't have that mindset. you got to do both. Uh, Koki Riley with us, covers LSU for the Daily Advertiser. Um, he's on everybody's either first or second team preseason All-American team, and that's Kayshawn Butte. How's he looking, and who the heck are the other receivers? Is Jack Besh playing? Is he still hurt? What's going on in, in that room? Um, Jack Besh was a little bit more available at practice today, but he wasn't really involved in some of the more physical and or active drills, like like the scrimmage, for example. We didn't really see him, okay. but in, like the individual uh, positional drills, he was working with the wideouts. That hasn't been really the case up until today. Um, uh, Keishawn Butte looks totally healthy and really good. 
He looks like right. Keishawn Butte. I, I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> he's no, looks right. totally fair. fine, totally healthy. Um, yeah. But the guys who've really stood out, at least today, I mean, Malik Neighbors and and um, Jare Jenkins were fantastic today. I mean, they were consistently getting open, especially Neighbors looked really explosive out in the open field. Um, okay. Looks like Neighbors is kind of the slot guy for this team, and he really looks the part because his quickness has been really, really put on display uh, during these preseason practices. He's He's arguably been their best receiver during preseason practices. He's really, really been excellent. But, I mean, Brian Thomas has really had his moments as well. Okay. So, um, Or even a guy like Chris Hilton. So, I mean, they're just so deep at receiver. Uh, Kyron Lacey's had a decent spring, de- not spring, decent fall. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, they're just really, really deep at receiver. And LSU fans should be very, very excited because that's yeah. been the position group that's arguably been the best out of all okay. the position groups uh during preseason practice. They're not deep at the tight end position. What, what stands out there? Who's, because uh, you know, Brian Kelly loves to play a tight end. Is there anybody uh, uh, leaps and bounds above anybody else? Um, I wouldn't say there's anyone leaps and bounds above anyone else, but I wouldn't be surprised if Mason Taylor gets more run this season than um, I expected heading into the year. So uh-huh. that's definitely a need to keep out, keep an eye out for. Um, right. Like Jack Mashburn and Cole Taylor are definitely holding their own. It's nothing to do with them. It's more of Mason Taylor just sort of um, uh, grabbing the reins a bit after he wasn't with the team during spring and uh, kind of asserting himself as, as a potential op- third tight end option for them. And I think they're going to play tight ends this season. I mean, I mean during the yeah. 11-11 scrim- scrimmage, uh, they're pretty much always playing a tight end. So I, I would expect one of those three guys out there almost all the time and it'll be interesting to see like how much how comfortable they are in use, utilizing those guys, especially in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, Koki, you mentioned Malik Neighbors, Jare Jenkins were getting open, uh, which takes me to the most concerning aspect of this team to me until proven otherwise, and that's the defensive secondary. Uh, can we clarify anything going on there? Yeah. Um, Kelly seemed pretty confident about the unit. Uh, after today, he said that they have there they have six defensive backs, cornerbacks uh, who they're pretty confident in playing, uh, which I thought was kind of an interesting note, note he had. Kobe Richardson had some run with the first team today, which I thought was really interesting. He talked, yeah. and Coach Kelly sort of talked about how uh, this summer Richardson uh, sort of helped, sort of transformed his body um, to be more ready for SEC play and. Uh, he's the McNeese State transfer, of course, right. and he just looked really, really good throughout spring. Throughout not spring, I keep on saying spring <laughs> throughout uh, throughout camp. So he's definitely a name to to look out for. Um, Seven Banks doesn't seem like he's a hundred percent there, even though he was more involved in the eleven eleven uh, portion and in, in, in some of the more, I guess, active drills uh, today than he has been in recent weeks. Um, I, I think that. Makai Gardner's had had some had some good moments at corner. Um, Jarek Bernard Converse is you know just doing Jarek Bernard Converse things. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, their cornerback room is still certainly a, an issue. Um, but I think if that unit stays healthy, they'll be able to at least cobble together something that can at least be competitive in the, in the SEC. Collectively, does this does this defense fly to the football? Do they tackle well? From what you've seen. Ooh, interesting. Um, I think they flying to the football has definitely been uh, like a real emphasis uh, okay. for Matt House and, and, and this and this defensive 
um, co- coaching group because I mean every a pretty I believe they st- they still do this every practice um, they start practice with a chase of the ball drill and okay. it's been pretty it, it's been a pretty much an emphasis even in the eleven eleven stuff where you want to finish off plays and it's hard to say how good of a tackling team this is just because the practice practices there a lot of the times they're not allowed to uh, okay. be overly physical, right? Especially yeah. with the quarterbacks. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. we're probably going to have to wait till the game to see how good of a tackling team this team really is. But I, I, I think in general, though, they should be fine as a tackling team. They have a ton of linebackers. They can rotate in and out of the rotation. We know how good their defensive line is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of uh, – how is this team going to be fundamentally? And since it's a Brian Kelly coach team, my guess is that they'll be fine. That's a part. Yeah, I'm with you. Koki Riley with us. Uh, one last one: kicking game. Have they determined a field goal kicker yet? That's kind of important. Yeah, this is a great question. Uh, I right now it's a pretty open competition. Uh, Still, Trey Finnison was a name that was definitely floated out there. Finnison, uh, he's a walk on, but he's had some kicking experience at Northwestern. Um, they like the, they seem like they seem pretty comfortable with the amount of depth they have at, at kicker. Um, but there really hasn't anyone, no one has really emerged as the kicker yet. Uh, mm. Of course, there's Nathan Divert, who's the freshman, who's very talented. Um, but as to who will win the job, I honestly can't tell you that right now. That's more than fair. I mean, they, they, um, you know, you've got about what eighteen days before you play. So uh, every yeah, day, a lot. Be... there's a lot to still figure out with eighteen <laughs> days left to play. I mean, they don't really know exactly who their starting five is going to be. We don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be. The starting yeah. kicker yeah. spot's pretty open. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Woo, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, give me the timetable. Uh, when's the next big? I mean, every day is important, obviously. When's the next big scrimmage? Because I believe that will probably be the last scrimmage that they have, and that will that will be the deciding factor as to answering all these questions. Yes, we're going to have even more clarity after that practice, um, and I believe that's next week. I'm I, I, since I don't have the schedule out right okay. in front of me. I can't okay. tell you exactly which day. I believe it's. It might be Wednesday. It might just be a week okay. from today. Um, right. But uh, yeah, that's going to be a pretty big scrimmage. And I, I think today we learned some stuff. But um, I mean, the closer we get to the season, of course, the more we're going to learn. Absolutely. All right, Koki Riley, job well done. We look forward to reading all your stuff in the Daily Advertiser. Just make it right, make it simple uh, for you know for all us laymen to to read it and understand <laughs> it. So we'll see what LSU's all about. But uh, thank you so much on a very very busy day, man. Well done, job well done. Thanks so much, Majority. Uh, it's always no. a pleasure to come on. You got it, buddy. Thank you so much. All right, that's Koki Riley, USA Today, uh, covering the Tigers with a daily advertiser. Delta Media is your home for thrilling high school football. This season lineup includes St. Thomas Moore in the game, 103.7 Lafayette, Acadiana High on MeTV FM 97.7, Karen Crow High, Z1059, Southside High on Mustang 1071, Vermilion Parish on 106.3 Radio Lafayette, St. Landry Parish on News Talk 98.5, and Barb on the game, 1041 Lake Charles. We got you covered.
Make sure to download the station's free mobile apps to listen to your favorite teams at home or on the road. After all, Delta Media is your home for Friday night football. All right, more college football talk with the man from On3.com. Hump Day with Huguenin next. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, he's the best in the business, and we're thrilled to have him back once again. It's a long-standing uh, relationship. Michael, how are you, buddy? Doing, uh, doing quite well. We're only about, uh, nine, I guess it's what, nine, nine, ten days from the first game, first games of the season, so that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a very, very good thing. Uh, reports out now, Ohio State loses a running back. Texas loses two starters. Boy, you got to be careful in these practices, but how, you know, that, that's, uh, that's such the flip of the coin for coaches. How do you deal with that? Yeah, I think Texas losing two starters. The Isaiah Nair was an important transfer portal addition. Would have given them two legitimate deep threats. And Texas figures to throw the ball more, um, which would have opened up uh, running lanes for B. John Robinson. And did you lose a three-year starter at, along the line? That's tough as well. I guess the only positive, if there is a silver lining, is that it came early in in camp so you can sort of at least you're going into the season knowing okay these dudes aren't going to be playing you got three weeks to fix it um from the time of the injury so but i mean yeah you don't want you know guys getting banged up uh is one thing losing guys for the season um that that's those are devastating blows yeah, Ohio State loses a running back. They they have the biggest game of the year on the first week, uh, you know, in the first week of games, and that Ohio State hosting Notre Dame. That's number two versus number five in the horseshoe. Um, what do you think of that game, by the way? Uh, I think Ohio State wins by double digits. I think Ohio State's a better team. Um, okay. Notre Dame's got some continuity with their same offensive coordinator, but it's a new quarterback. Uh, new running backs. Um, the offensive line is going to be quite good defensively. You know, Marcus Freeman's still the coach, so it's still going to be his defense. So there is going to be a new guy calling the plays. But I, I think Ohio State um, is is definitely Alabama's toughest competition this year. I think I think Ohio State wins that game again by by double digits. Uh, Houston has done such a good job in basketball. They they got the coach that uh, that didn't care about making phone calls to players. Sampson forever and a day, and look where they are in basketball. Dana Holgerson left West Virginia. He's at Houston. Is he gonna is he gonna make hay there? Um, and and they they enter the Big Twelve next season. What do you think of Houston as a football program? Yeah, I think that's they're, they're on the way up. They got a really intriguing coaching staff. A really really good young defensive coordinator, Doug Belk, who, if he doesn't get a head coaching job uh, this offseason, I think certainly will get uh, – I know I know Houston's getting ready to move into the Big 12, but um, which would make that a power five job. But I think that Doug Belk, um, he's going to get his chance to leave Houston if he wants to. They, they won 
I think, 12 games last year. Well-coached team. Clayton Toon's back. Now that they lost their running back in spring practice, uh, McCaskill kid who I believe ran for 18 touchdowns last year. So that that's again, you lose a guy in spring practice, at least you got all summer to prepare. Yeah. Um, Houston is they recruit exceptionally well for a group of five. Um, they got a couple dudes on defense that are going to get drafted. Tune eh, might be a seventh round pick. They got some guys on offense. A kid named Tank Dell. He's a wide receiver. Um, his speed belies his nickname. This kid is super quick and super fast. He's actually from Daytona Beach, Florida. Um, hmm. Tremendous speed. Um, Houston is a really good team. Uh, I think both Houston and UCF are better than Cincinnati this year, and Cincinnati's ranked in the top 25. Is Mike Hugan and On3.com. The more things change in college football, the more they really don't uh, in the SEC. Um, Georgia trying to become the first school to repeat as a national champion since Alabama did it in 2011 and 2012. What, 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 are, you, what are Georgia's chances in your mind of doing such just that? Oh, I think they, they, they are by far the best team in the SEC East. The only team that can beat Georgia in the SEC East is itself. Um, Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina, Missouri, Bandy, I think all of them are, you know, I would make Georgia a double-digit favorite for every one of those games. Um, I, I, the, now, the amount of talent they lost off their defense, um, they, and as LSU fans know, you can be talented, but there are you have massive personnel losses, and you're going to take a half step back. Um, and Georgia lost a bunch of key guys on defense, guys who were first round picks. Uh, their best linebacker is going to Kobe Dean, as well. Um, three of their, you know, they had they went four deep at inside linebacker last year. Three of them got drafted, and one guy's back. Um, they lost their best deep threat, Jermaine Burton. They lost two running backs who were drafted. Um, this is still going to be a really good team, just not as good as last year. I don't think they're in Alabama's class, and I'll be honest, I don't think they're in Ohio State's class. But, again, if they, if they lose an SEC East game, I will be surprised, okay. uh, greatly surprised, maybe even shocked, because they are – on paper, are a heck of a lot better than every other SEC team, and the presumed weakness is Stetson Bennett. The dude won a the dude won a national title last year. That's right. That's um, right. He, and he, you know they, they Georgia does a really nice job. Todd Monken, they don't ask Bennett to do anything he can't do. I think you saw in the SEC championship game they got behind, and I think they panicked a little bit. You know Stetson Bennett firing on every single down. That's not the way Georgia plays. Um, so I think Georgia's in really good shape, but again, they're not as good as they were last year. I don't think they repeat, but they're going to be, uh, I think at least an 11 win team. You mentioned, uh, not as good as Ohio state. How, how close are Alabama and Ohio state as far as your mind is concerned with the talent, the coaching and all that? Uh, how, is there a big gap, narrow gap, no gap at all? I, I think, I think offensively they're quite similar. Uh, I think Ohio State's got the better offensive line, and I think Ohio State has the better receiver. I don't think anybody at Alabama is as good as Jackson Smith and the Jigba. I think Travion Henderson and Jameer Gibbs are pretty equal at running back. And I know um, you know Bryce Young's a reigning Heisman winner. You know, Stroud ain't bad. 
I think right. defensively is the difference. Um, I think Alabama's got better talent on defense. Now, I think Ohio State, bringing in Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State, they will be a better coach. That is a given. Jim Knowles is a tremendous tactician. Okay. Back to his days when he was at Duke coordinating the Duke defense. Duke didn't have any players at all. Let's get serious. And he all put right. really solid defenses on the field, defenses that knew what they were supposed to do, didn't make that many mistakes. The problem with Duke is, you obviously, you don't have a lot of elite talent. Now, he goes to all Oklahoma right. State, which doesn't have elite talent either, and they were a top-10 defense last year. Now he's at Ohio State, which does have some elite-level players. The The main difference to me is in linebacker. Alabama's linebacker group is the best in the country. Uh, Ohio State's linebacker group isn't even the best in the Big Ten. So um, secondary at Ohio State's been a concern. It will play better this year. I think the defensive line has been pretty solid. It will continue to be that way. But I think ultimately the, the major difference to me is Alabama's linebackers are studs. And Ohio State linebackers, for the most part, are just guys. Mike Hugan and on three dot com. Mark Stoops has has done a good job at Kentucky, trying to make them. You know, re- they've won ten games uh, in two of their past four seasons. But why is everybody getting all out of shape? Because John Calipari told the truth that Kentucky is a basketball school. I don't get it. Yeah, I think it, I think that that aspect is right, but I think Calipari was a little dismissive. You know, oh, yeah, I hope they win ten games. Blah, blah. You know, you don't need to say that. That's right. That's um, right. <laughs> you know, he, he obviously wants a new practice facility. Um, I don't think I would be sort of disparaging my other sports at my school um, to, to make the case as to why I should get a new practice facility. And, yeah. and Stoops, you could tell, was a little bit more than irritated. Yes, he was. You know, he, I think one of his hashtags was four consecutive postseason wins. And you're like, dude, that's pretty that's – you're, you're sticking your thumb in the eye, Calipari, because, mm-hmm. you know, UK lost to St. Peter's, for goodness sake, in the first round. So, mm-hmm. I, I it, it, you know, it sort of goes back to when they had Rupp and Bear Bryant. Uh, you know, Rupp gets the Cadillac, Bear Bryant gets the cigarette lighter. Um, and Bear Bryant, I think, realizes this you know, ain't never going to care about football here. I don't, and then they don't care as much about football. Let's get serious. That right. part, everybody knows is true. I, I don't think Calipari needed to say that. Um, and I'll be honest, I think going off the last three or four years, given the relative talent levels of the teams, Snoops has outperformed Calipari unquestionably. I agree. I think the I think the seat's getting a little bit warm for Calipari. It's been a while since he's won won the whole thing, and that doesn't that doesn't sit well in the Commonwealth. Mike Hugan no, on three dot com. Uh, Miles Brennan says he's stepping away from football. He had a meeting with Brian Kelly, and Kelly said, "Look, dude, um, you, you, you're not going to be first team. You're not going to be second team. You're going to be third string." Um, I don't fault the kid. What what is your thought? Yeah, I mean, he's had a lot of injuries. Um, I believe he's married, isn't he? Um, no, he's, and he's engaged. He's engaged. engaged yeah. okay. Well, almost the same thing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> someone who's been married for a long time. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, you wonder what, you know, what, what Miles Brennan could have been had he been healthy his whole career. Um, and, but, yeah, I mean, he's a six-year senior. I believe he's already got two degrees at LSU, ready to go to work. That's fine. Um, and, you know, 
the, the immediate re- I saw some people on on social media who were like, you know, why why are you quitting your team? And that's to me, if you've that's been ridiculous. on campus for five years, you've got two degrees, um, and, and you've gone through a large injury history. For, you know, playing a sport at a major college, it's not easy. No, uh, I don't care if it's football, basketball, softball, tennis, track, whatever. A lot of time is consumed by that. And maybe uh, my assumption is Miles Brennan's like, you know something? I've sacrificed a lot of my first 22 years playing athletics. I don't yep. feel like doing it anymore. So I don't blame him. Um, I also got to think that Brian, you know, I think Brian Kelly's a really good quarterback coach. His quarterbacks mm-hmm. generally play darn good football. Um, I mean, look at what he did last year with Jack Cohn, a kid who Wisconsin thought could not play. He goes mm-hmm. to Notre Dame, and Notre Dame plays well with Jack Cohn. And I think part of that is, is Brian Kelly's coaching and teaching. So yeah. if I'm an LSU fan, I'm like, okay, it, I'm, I'm sorry that it didn't work out for Miles Brennan. But if Kelly thinks that Jaden Daniels and Nussmeyer are better, I'm comfortable with that. Mike Hugan and On3.com. Pretty soon we'll be able to get picks of games and get you to break down the biggest games of the week, and that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, tremendous job as always, buddy. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you uh, next time. Excellent. Appreciate it, man. All right, you take care. Mike Hugan and Tune in next week to the Jordy Holberg Show for Hump Day with Huguenin. Here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back on this uh, Wednesday, August 17th. The Astros have lost two in a row. They still lead the Seattle Mariners by 11. They'll try and get off the, the schneid today with a first pitch set for 7, 10 p.m. Astros at the White Sox, Framber Valdez versus Michael Kopech. Um, so stay tuned for that one. Coming up, hour number two, we talk college football in hour number one. We're going to talk uh, NFL football. Uh, the Saints with another practice against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, day two of their three-game set leading up to Friday's um, uh exhibition preseason game tomorrow they won't do much contact it'll probably be a walkthrough type of situation i can't imagine them on the day before game doing that uh and and apparently uh there were some injuries today particularly on the offensive line so john hendricks who is in uh green bay wisconsin will give us the very latest update on that and then uh the schwab will join us from yahoo sports as he does um normally on a thursday but we are um preempted tomorrow we got astros baseball getaway day from chicago so uh we'll have the astros on tomorrow did you know the arnoville volunteer fire department is hosting a black pot cook-off saturday september the 10th the cooking begins at 8 a.m and the eating will start at noon you know don't you know it's going to be great don't you know it's going to be great this is at the flower auditorium in arnoldville uh there'll be Plenty of live music, including Gerald Grunig and the Gentili Zydeco, Dustin Sonier, and Sweet 
Cecilia. Uh, for more information, visit www.arnoldvillefire.org. That's A-R-N-A-U-D-V-I-L-L-E, fire, F-I-R-E, dot org. The Black Pot Cookoff again. LeBron James agrees to a uh, uh, two-year extension with a player option. After that, he's going to get about forty-five million dollars a year. And what the heck? Why not? Why not? Um, gee whiz, craziness, craziness. But LeBron James is LeBron James, and uh, so there was speculation. Where, where's he going to go? What's he going to do? Um, Two year, $97.1 million. LeBron hanging in LA. He must really like Los Angeles because I, I, or he must have confidence that um, Anthony Davis is going to stay healthy. And maybe, maybe, just maybe there's still a deal to be made. Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook, who, who knows? Uh, but he is staying uh, there. And, uh, so we'll see. And schedule ought to be coming out uh, any day now. And so we're looking forward to that. We'll see what the Pels have to do. Um, they'll open up in Brooklyn against the Nets. Yes, they'll open up against Brooklyn, <laughs> against the Nets in Brooklyn. Wow. What's that team going to look like? All right. Hour number one's done. Hour number two straight ahead. The Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We'll be back. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this Wednesday, August 17th, the year 2020. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you can turn the television set on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32. Point three and 133 on LUS Fiber. LSU had uh, another um, kind of a scrimmage session today. We got the update on that. It was camp day number 16 for the New Orleans Saints. Camp day number two going up against the Green Bay Packers. And in um, the land of cheese heads and, uh, and all that stuff and cheese curds is our John Hendricks. Uh, who's kind enough to join us yet again with a recap. Of course, John um, is a lead writer and reporter for Saints News for Fan Nation at SI.com. He's part of group Boot Crew Media. He, he's just the best in the business. John, uh, thank you for your time, buddy. How you holding up? I'm doing well, man. You know, I'm actually just walking back from Glorious Lambeau to uh, my place I stay. That's how nice it is out here, how nice it is just overall. What, what is the temperature in uh, Wisconsin this time of the year? Well, I tell you, uh, right now it's about 78, 79, so it's a little bit warm today, but it doesn't feel anything like what you would think back at home. But when I woke up this morning, it was 60 degrees, so I got to enjoy my coffee on my porch, and uh, it was quite nice. (laughs) All right, uh, let's get down to the brass tacks of the matter. Um, 
Is, L- is uh, New Orleans going to be able to field an offensive line for this preseason game on Friday? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, you know, got a little banged up today. A lot of uh, unfortunate injuries. You know, they were already down on their seat, already down Landon Young. Um, and so, make sure. Thank you. All right, crossing the street. Nice <laughs> people here in Wisconsin. Um, and so, basically, you had James Hurst get hurt during uh, team drills. He ended up coming back, but then you had James Hurst, who was at right tackle today. He got hurt with a foot injury. He did not return. And then their guy that was working at left tackle, Sage Doxtator, he ended up getting hurt with a forearm injury. He didn't return. So <laughs> not a good look on the offensive line. I, you were already without Forrest Lamp, no Ryan Ramchek. I would expect them to make some very quick calls for offensive linemen because they are pretty depleted. I would imagine with those injuries, I, I mean, I can kind of read between the tea leaves, the offense must have struggled today. Yeah, they had their hands full. I mean, it wasn't all bad, but gave up a good bit of sacks. Uh, you know, Packers defensive line, look, they're very talented. They know how to get after the rusher. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, you got to notice with this Packers defense is they run a 3-4. Lawrence typically doesn't see a lot of the three-man fronts and the four linebackers and such. And so gives them a little bit different opportunity because they play a traditional 4-3, do a lot of nickel. But, uh yeah, they had their hands full with a good bit, and it wasn't just on the outside edge. It was from the interior. It was just a, a rough go, I guess I would say. But, you know, Dalton bounced back. He looked good in red zone. He piloted a touchdown drive that looked really good. So it wasn't all bad. But, man, Ian Book, whew, he had a very mm. tough day. And it's mm. uh, not looking good for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Looks like they're going to keep two quarterbacks and have Taysom Hill as the third, just in case. Uh, Give me the update on Jameis Winston, please. Yeah, so he was out there. He was in pads. He was in doing participating in walkthroughs. He was making some throws, sprinting up the field. Uh, No team drills, though, so that's kind of expected. Dennis Allen said he wasn't going to play in the preseason game. That's kind of expected, too. I don't think there's any rush to put him out there. But, man, you know, just seeing him around, being on the field, uh, interacting with fans and just being there for his teammates throughout practice was such a really good sight. And so he's going to be important to what they do with, uh, this season. We know Andy Dalton's a very capable, more than capable yeah. backup to him. But look, yeah. this is going to be the Jameis Winston shows, but everything's looking good on that out- aspect. Awesome. Um, I noticed in your notes you mentioned uh, Chris Olave. What, what, uh, what was his day like? Man, you know, I, I think if you needed, if you were still a doubter for Chris Olave, I think today showed you a good bit of that, that, you know, you can feel confident and feel like you can trust this rookie just because all the different types of routes that he ran, getting uh, open underneath, making contested catches, sideline catches. I had a big hookup with Dalton today down the sideline that set him up for the Alvin Kamara touchdown uh, on a rush. And so, Man, he looks smooth. He looks good. And man, I, I tell you, um, it's unfortunate Jarvis Landry got kicked out of practice because he got it. Whoa, whoa. Coach, but what what happened yeah. there? Yeah, just a skirmish. Guys going at it, and a little bit more spirited practice today. You know, you had special <laughs> teams come together for a period, but uh, punch just thrown a little bit, and you know, can't do that with Dennis Allen. So he ended up getting the boot from practice early. But you know, Lave, like I said, go back to him. He's he looks. Smooth. I think I don't know if he'd have a, a killer year, but 
maybe something along the lines of Brandon Cooks and his first uh, his impact, impact as a rookie. I think that's what I would think about. That wouldn't be bad at all. Uh, John Hendricks, kind enough to join us. So you had another name that you emphasized, and I. I haven't heard this name in quite some time, but the tight end, Lucas Krull, what, he, did he have a good day or something? Yeah, look, he made two really good catches uh, in working in clock situation, two-minute drill. Caught the first one from Ian Book. It was contested. I mean, he got hit. I mean, drilled as soon as he caught it, but he hung on. You know, I, I think that gave him a good bit of spark, and he was definitely happy about it. And he got a uh, another catch, a big one later on the other sideline. Just a few plays later. So, look, I, I don't know if you say it's too late for all that, but he's a guy that I would expect to be on the practice squad. Because as of right now, pecking order would be Troutman, who looks outstanding this training camp. I feel really good about his outlook this season. You got Taysom Hill. You got Jawan Johnson. Nick Vanette, I don't know if he's going to be able to do enough to stay around here. And then Kroll hasn't done enough to be able to take a roster spot. So I think he's got practice squad written all over him. All right, um, John Hendricks with us. So the offense struggle. Let's talk about the defense. We every time we talk, all right. There, Aaron Rodgers, one of the best in the business. He's complaining about his receivers. They're dropping the ball too many times. They're not running the right routes. They're not supposed to be where they are. Aaron's not very happy about things. How did the Saints' defense fare today? Well, I know they got the tone started right. And, and look, you know, Marcus Bay had an early pick on Rodgers and. Look, I think they had a little bit better of a showing. I mean, the thing is that, you know, one of the things that I was told uh, is that yesterday kind of catered a little bit more to the defense on both sides yeah. just because on the third down plays they were working more on third and long, not necessarily third and short. So, you know, it's kind of more of a passing situation and such. And so you can blitz a little bit more. But, look, I thought they looked strong again today. Um, close out practice, the second team gives up touchdown at the end right to uh, Jordan Love and so you know that was unfortunate but the first team defense look <laughs> they look strong as ever I, I don't know what else we need to see from them honestly okay. just you know the only question mark or position that concerns me right now is not having Pete Warner but um, right. you know corner wise they're set safety wise they're set um, linebacker you know what you have in DeMario it's the other guy that you got to worry about and that defensive line and I'm telling you, they play with such a, a nastiness right now that is going to be hard to match. I'm curious, um, you know, on the the ends in particular, there's Marcus Davenport, there's Cam Jordan, Peyton Turner's going to be there, Carl Granderson I think is going to be there. But if they take five, what what's the situation between Passanon and Taco Charlton? Is that is that a race to try and get that last spot? Yeah, I don't think it's a race at all. It, it's definitely going to be – Tano. Tano is a guy that can flex and tie to, you know, Taco Charlton. I know he's a veteran, former first round pick. He just had an off camp. You know, I just don't think he's been strong getting after the passer as he's wanted to getting off the line. I know one of the things he looked forward to most is being able to put his, his hand in the ground and play a traditional four, three, but look, I haven't seen anything there that would suggest <laughs> that he's going to take Tano's spot. I mean, Tano's looked good. Uh, okay. You know, he was a guy that was on his way to having a career year in sacks and just a lot of guys when they did a three-man front, he was the guy in the middle to kind of yeah. twist things up and make things a little bit different. So I, I don't think there's any question that Tano will be the fifth guy and he's going to play a big factor with this team. Um, 
John Hendricks with us. You mentioned the linebackers, Demario Davis. He's the leader of the team. He's great. Pete Werner, they're just waiting for him to get healthy again. Uh, Chase Hansen's made some noise, but they signed this guy, John Bostick. Um, Did he participate today? And I I guess this shows you it amplifies the competition for a reserve spot at that particular position. Yeah, so, I mean, they signed him in practice yesterday. And, and full, he had a run stop today. You know, he's back out there. And the biggest thing for him is, is and I just sort of divert to or default to something Dennis Allen said today, is that right now they feel really good about what they have with Pete Warner. Obviously, they know how, what they have with DeMario. Right. He singled out Kate Ellis as somebody who's really, you know, take it to another level, especially with some of the off-the-ball skills he has and just overall in special teams. And he's a guy that can take a next step forward. They put him at Mike. They put him in, you know, primarily at Sam. But, uh, look, I think after that, they're just trying to see what they got. Chase Hansen's yeah. last. He didn't participate in practice today. Eric Wilson, a veteran guy, I think he's looked great. I think he would be the guy that starts alongside DeMario if Pete Warner doesn't play. Um, Andrew Dow, we know he's good in special teams. You know, is that enough to keep him around and make him be on the 53? You know, we'll see. And then, you know, you got Bostic. Nephi Sewell, the undrafted guy, I think he turns some heads at practice lately and in the game situations against the uh, the Texans. So more information is needed. I say all that to say this, but you know, as of right now, I could see him keeping, you know, at least five of those guys, and maybe they won't be done because, you know, right now, uh, from where they were to where they are now, um, yeah. a bit concerning. Yeah. Um, hmm. uh, no no issues with the cornerbacks, with Lattimore, Adebo, backed up by Roby and Alante. How's Alante Taylor looked in your mind, by the way? Yeah, Tay, I mean, look, he hasn't been practicing lately. And, you know, look, he's been kind of in this ramp-up period. He's, he was around here, so that was the first we've seen him in a bit. Um, you know, he's out there a little bit today, not much. He left early, but he said he's okay. So that's the good news. And so, look, he's battling a hip injury. Um Hip flexor, I believe, is what Dennis had talked about and said that what he was dealing with. So, but those are ones you got to work your way back and stride. Could be something that, you know, lingers and nags you a little bit. But look, I think he's going to be fine and he's going to be a huge asset to this team. Um, I mean, leaves and bounds better than the other guys they have, like Brian Allen or Vincent Gray or DeMarcus Fields. Taylor's the guy that's going to ball and uh, I'm just waiting to see it more and more. But, you know, I, I hadn't seen much of him lately. Uh, how's the combination of Marcus May and uh, Taran Matthew working out? How's that? How's that? Uh, do they seem to be a smoothly flowing operation now? I think they're strong. I don't think they're where they want to be yet, but I think that's only going to come in time because this, this playbook is complicated. There's a lot yeah. of communication. There's a lot of things. And, you know, it's not fair for us to just think that, you know, defense from last year and this defense this year – continuity is just going to be there, right? Um, but I do expect this team to be really good defensively. I think this is a defensive first team. I think Marcus May, obviously you got to wait and see what happens with the DUI case. That, uh, next hearing is on August 24th, but, you know, that carries a three-game suspension for him. So even if that does transpire, we may not see that full product until, uh, you know, mid part of the season. Has this been a good experience for you? I mean, it's it's fun to see him going up against other competition. You're on the road for a while. How's it been for you? 
Yeah, it's been good. You know, I mean, obviously, I got a family at home and two little boys, and so they're eight and four, and my youngest just started school this year or this week. Um, and my, my oldest is in third grade, so you know, it's it's a little bit tough. And Demario said something today that obviously, when he's on the road, you do miss your family because you're gone for so long. So I went yeah. from Houston, came home for barely a day, and then I flew out the next day. And so, but it's been good. You know, I got to have some cheese curds today along with Dennis Allen. And, you know, I'm kind of set right now on my uh, cheese curds, and I've got to find some poutine oh. now. Okay, for those for those that don't know, <laughs> describe a cheese curd. So a cheese curd is a, a big old piece of cheese. It's the fatty part of the cheese, and you can either do it cold, which I don't think I have any interest in doing, but you, yeah. I do the deep-fried one. So it's a yeah. deep-fried piece of cheese. It's kind of like a mozzarella stick, except the cheese go. is fattier. It's a little bit chewier. Dip it okay. in some ranch, maybe some marinara. I prefer ranch, but um, you know it's just a, an addictive snack that you can use as a meal. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of the best things up here for sure. Oh my goodness gracious, boy! They don't know what they're missing being up there, the land of cheese curds. Come on down to our place and let's show you what it's really all about. So the Packers and the Saints will have a little get together tonight. Are you are the media invited to this? No, it's just going to be the team. So, like, coaches and players getting together a little bit. And so, uh, and there's a walkthrough tomorrow. And so, we won't be back really until Friday when the game action is happening, which is fine because I get to kind of venture out and see a little yeah. bit of Green Bay myself. And so, we'll see what it kind of has to offer. Head, head to the big city, Milwaukee. Look up, look and see if you can find Giannis somewhere. Um, I tell you, I've been there. There's not much, not much to do in that part of the world, man. It's just not. But um, uh, describe it. Lambeau Field's right there in the middle of a neighborhood, right? I mean, it's, there's houses all around it. So let me tell you this. I, I'm not trying to knock it or anything, but we drove up from Chicago. About a yeah. three-hour, three and some change. And when you hit the point in Wisconsin past Milwaukee, it's pretty much – Farms, more farms, yes. farms yes. again, and then some more farms, and even their gas stations are farm themed and stuff. So uh, then you're like, where is this stadium? Like, I mean, it just kind of appears out of nowhere. So, I mean, it's an experience because the neighborhoods are so gorgeous. The scenery is amazing. Um, just being able to go right there at Lambeau. Like I said, I'm walking from my place I'm staying to Lambeau and back. And so it's pretty, ro- pretty weather pretty walk yeah. and Lambo's is about as iconic as it comes. Yeah, it's a great place to be around this time of the year and for another month or two. After that, see you later. No thank you when that nor'easter comes in there and that weather dips down into the teens. No thank you. All right, John, well, you got a, basically a day off tomorrow, so relax, enjoy it. Uh, thank you so much for your time. And uh, again, are, they gonna, are the Saints going to treat preseason game number two along the same lines as one? In other words, we're not going to see many players playing. Yeah, I'd be really surprised, especially with some of these recent injury scares. So I think they'll have a, a good, decent bit of mix. But, you know, I think this is a big opportunity where you see Ian Book a lot more here and some of these other players that are trying to vie for the roster. But I don't think you see Tyron. I don't think you see a lot of these these big names here. And, and that's probably yeah. for the best. Give me, give me a one position battle and two names that you think are going to be. they got to get to 53, and like 48 spots or 49 spots are basically etched in stone, but there's a couple out there. Um, give me some names on the fringe, you think. Uh, I'm thinking, do they keep six wide receivers? And specifically, 
I think Traquan Smith safe. Marquez Callaway versus Kirk Merritt versus Deja Dixon. I think you're going to only carry two of those guys in the practice squad. I think okay. Quez has a lot to prove to make this roster. I think it's one for me. A guy I'm kind of rooting for, and now it's kind of take a little bit more spotlight. He was my undrafted rookie dark horse going into camp as Lewis Kidd with some of these injuries at tackle. I think he's a guy that can sneak up on the roster. And then, you know, look, I think um, looking at that safety position, you know, <laughs> this is a team – do you keep Justin Evans uh, or is it Daniel Sorensen? You know, do you keep an extra safety? That's something I'm really paying attention to. And, and so, I mean, there's tons of things. And then obviously the big one, running back three, Dwayne Washington yes. versus Tony Jones Jr. versus Devin and Zigbo. And then uh, obviously Abram Smith, if he can make a late push to try to make the roster. Sounds like Washington's having a hell of a camp from what I've heard. Yeah, he's been strong. Uh, you know, unfortunately, he got a little banged up yesterday. He was out there in street clothes today, and so it gave way to Tony Jones Jr. I think him and Washington are kind of neck and neck in a way. But, you know, Washington, uh, I thought he had a real good start to preseason. I think this is going to be a heavy Tony Jones Jr. game that comes up, and so he's going to be able to make the most of it, hopefully. You're the best. Man, you talk and you walk. You can multitask. You're the best, John. I'll let you go. <laughs> Enough of this. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, man. You take care. All right, bud. Thanks. You too. That, that's John Hendricks uh, talking about the Saints. Again, a little get-together between the teams tonight. Um, teams will have their individual walkthroughs the day before game. Uh, that's closed to the media, closed to the public, and then they'll kick it off, and there'll be a lot of happy Saints getting their selves back to New Orleans right after the game. So um, we shall see. We shall see. We'll take a quick time out here. We'll come back with some more stuff still to come. Frank Schwab joins us from Yahoo Sports. We'll go around the NFL, find out what's happening there. But uh, first, a timeout. The Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the Houston Astros. We're your home for the LSU Tigers. We're just your home in southwest Louisiana. All right, welcome back, boys and girls. Um, the McNeese Cowboys still uh, getting after it a little bit. Coach uh, Coach Gary Goff. Um, again, just like I've said before, LSU's got a quarterback issue. Raging Cajuns have a quarterback issue. So do the McNeese Cowboys. Uh, here's Coach Goff talking about this uh, quarterback battle in Lake Charles. Absolutely. I mean, we, we've got to get several of those guys in space. You know, they're, they're dangerous with the football in their hands. And um, it's going to be the guy making the right decision and not sitting there trying to you know, throw the home run ball every single snap. That's, that's not going to win you football games. All right. Not going to win you football games. But it's been a while as a head coach since he's had uh, a quarterback battle. It's been nine years since I have had a quarterback battle. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you think about that. I mean, it's been nine years. I mean, nine years ago, that kid that played for me is, is still playing in the CFL. You know, Antonio Pipkin, um, he threw for over 10,000, rushed for over 2,500. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's been a while. But we're on the right path. We are. And, and I think both these young men are capable. I also think both of them bring something different to the table. Obviously, Cam can extend plays with his legs. Um, he's got a cannon, you know, for an arm. And I, I think Knox sees the field very well, you know. Um, so we're, we're going to make it just a, a battle from here on out and continue putting them in tough situations. All right, Coach Goff, tell me the truth now. What are the expectations for your team right now? 
Well, here's the expectation right now. We've been talking to him. Is you know, go out there and and know your assignment. Just know your assignment and do it to your best ability, one play at a time. You know, so if, if we will know our assignments, we're we're going to eliminate mistakes and then play with 100 percent effort. Then we got a chance. If not, if we don't do those two things, we're going to get embarrassed. You know, and I told him that today. We can't have you know false starts. We can't have pass interferences. We can't have you know a guy not knowing his assignment. At this point in camp, everybody knows their assignment. It's can you handle the pressure under you know under heat? I guess so. Just all right. Um, can you handle the heat? And of course, the heat is coming rather quickly uh, for McNeese. They've got to go travel to the great state of Montana to take on the powerhouse Montana State September the 3rd uh, up there in Montana. That's not going to be an easy task. So welcome to your new gig, Coach Goff. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um that's not going to be easy, man. Not going to be easy at all. So uh, we'll keep you up to speed on all of that. Again, um, it is football season, right? And it's here. There's no question about that. And we've got the best, I think, one of the best giveaways uh, we've ever had. Um, and we give away stuff all the time. All the time. If you listen, you know this is a station that gives and gives and gives. Well, here's another one. Football season right here. We got the ultimate tailgate giveaway because 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to crown you, whoever you may be, the tailgating king. Yep. The ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. You can score $500 to Chops Specialty Meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Raging Cajun football games, and there's even more than that. So enter into the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway. And it's powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and The Game. Now, let's take a quick time out when we come back. Uh, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, all things NFL. Has he watched any of Hard Knocks with uh, Chuck Woods' Detroit Lions? Are they going to be better than people think? I still not sold on the Cowboys. Is he sold on the same? We'll, we'll go all around the league after this timeout. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. You're simply the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Um, my next one is one of the all-time best, and that is uh, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. He covers the NFL and sports betting for Yahoo. Frank, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. How about you, Jordy? I'm good. Um, I'm just curious. If you wanted to win money, of the three or four major sports that are out there, the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NHL, which one do you think you can make money off of? 
If you only get Ooh, which is the best sport to bet on? I, I honestly don't think it's the NFL. Like the NFL, because okay, the the NFL is the king, right? Like, and so yeah. it's the king in sports books too. Sports, uh, you know, odds makers know that they're going to get millions and millions of dollars on every game. So they need to be right. They they can't be screwing around. They can't put up bad lines. And anytime they do put up a line that's a little bit off, that they move it right away because they don't want to be out there, you know, on a game that that they're really, you know, <laughs> they're going to take a lot of volume on. So I think the NFL is the worst. I, it's really really hard. I, I've wow. done. I did okay last year and all that, but it's just a hard sport to bet on. So. It's honestly the the truth is college football and college basketball because there's so many games and yeah. if you ask people like at most you know most betters aren't going to do this they're like me and you and and people listening who hey I want to put twenty bucks on the you know Saints Buccaneers game tonight and have fun with it uh, they're not trying to necessarily make a bankroll off of it they're just you know, right. you know casual betters who do want to be good at it and and there are ways to do that but the way to do it is really if you want to study the Sun Belt basketball conference. I mean, I'm serious, too. And I, I went up to, I mean, because stuff like that, the odds makers aren't paying any attention to. And if you are, you can have an edge there where you have no edge oh. on the NFL. And I will say this. One time, this is years and years ago, I went up to a sports book window to bet uh, baseball future, like a, a win total, whatever. And he said, nope, we're, we're not going to take it. And I was like, why not? He's like, we're not doing it anymore. It's not worth it to us. He's like, the two things we've taken off the board because we have no edge and we get beat on all the time are baseball win totals and the WNBA. <laughs> the WNBA is this thing that, I mean, not a ton. I mean, it's, it's growing in popularity, of course, and does very well for itself, but it's not, you know, the NBA, the, the NFL, anything like that. Yeah. And professional bettors through the years have sworn by the WNBA as a moneymaker because it kind of flies under the radar. Odds makers aren't making yeah. a big deal about it, but all the lines are out there, and you can, you know, find edges there where you want. So that's a long answer to tell you. Basically, oh, we're all going to bet the NFL, but don't bet the NFL if you're trying to just do it to make money. <laughs> I'm always, you know, you always talk about, oh, Silicon Valley. I don't know a soul that's sitting in some room in making these inventions and all that kind of stuff. Who, everybody talks about, you know, Vegas, you know, Vegas doesn't, doesn't lose. Vegas always wins. Who, how do you become a Vegas guy uh, and betting all this stuff? How do they do it? Because they're so darn good. They are good. I mean, both sides of the the window. Like the odds makers are really, really good, and then the guys who do this for a living. Like I don't. I mean, I write about it a lot. I take it seriously. I've done it my whole life, really. But I'm not a professional, and I don't claim to be. Um, but the guys who are professionals, they can spot any mistake a, a sports book makes. Like they, if a line is off by two points, and in some random Pac-12. You know, basketball game on a Thursday night, they they spot it and they'll hit it hard. It's 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 like it's like being in the professionals in baseball, where you know you just if you if you could pitch really well in AAA, that's great. You come up to the majors and you realize these guys don't miss a pitch. If if you make one mistake, you're hitting it out of yard, and it's kind of yeah. like that with professional gambling too. So to get to that level, you just you need to study it your whole life basically and just be immersed in that world and have certain gifts of just being able to to see it really well and and a lot of it's math too now these guys spend tons of times on their algorithms and their Man. models and their spreadsheets and i they just I, i'm impressed by guys that there's a whole different level of it's like you know me and you can go golfing and have fun with it and all that and then you realize you get to the pga tour and that's not even golf anymore it's yeah. it's something beyond anything near yeah. you would ever do in our lives i mean 
do they teach a betting course? I mean, how do these guys, and they must have sources upon sources upon sources to find out what's going on. Cause I mean, they, they are so good. It's, it's mind boggling. Yeah. And it's, and it's also things like knowing, you know, guys like me and you and 99% of the public doesn't realize, Hey, there, there's going to be a big bet coming in on the Dallas Cowboys in week one. Get ahead of this line move. And they usually can. I mean, that's what people say. And, and it's hard. I've, I, I don't do well at it. But the <laughs> difference between the sharpest bettors and guys like us are anticipating line moves where you know, hey, before it happens, that, that game's at minus seven right now. It's going to be minus 10 by the end of the weekend. And if you can get ahead of that, that's what that's what differentiates the, the sharp betters from the square betters. And it's the <laughs> fascinating subculture, really. Yeah, I, I don't know how they do it, but God bless them. All right. Um, so Aaron Rodgers apparently is not happy with his wide receiver crew. He's, uh, he's <laughs> complaining that they're dropping the ball too much, complaining that they're not running the right routes. And he says, if you keep doing it, you're not going to be playing. I think he misses Devontae Adams. I don't care what you say. I think he does. Uh, I'd agree completely with that. But I think that's also Aaron just – a little bit of Aaron Rodgers and being a little high-strung, but also that's what a quarterback needs to do in the middle of a long camp, long preseason. He's dealing with a lot of young guys who haven't been in this spot before and letting them know, hey, you guys are in a big spot. We need you. We need you guys to, to play really, really well for this thing to work. And I think that that's a sort I think that's just a calculated message by him of, hey, if you you guys aren't aren't playing as well as you think you are. You get these routes down, you're not getting the ball in a regular season. So I don't take it as anything other than just kind of Rodgers being a leader. And, and, you know, leaders go about it in different ways, and airing guys out in public isn't maybe the way some other guys would do it. But I think he's getting a message across of, hey, Devontae's gone, and and, uh, this is a serious deal now. we got three weeks before this season starts. So pick it up because if if you are continuing to drop passes, run the wrong routes, you aren't going to see the field what do you do if you're the new york jets and zach wilson's hurt you hand the ball over to, to joe flacco does he still have game in him or do, do you do you go and, and and talk to the 49ers because it's like their season's done not that zach wilson's anything great but you lose your starting quarterback and what do they do it, it is tough but i think I think one thing you said there kind of strikes me, and that Zach Olson's not that great. Like, I, and I hate to say that. I don't want to hear the guy out, but mm-hmm. I don't know necessarily that it's a big step down. This isn't, uh, you know, the Broncos losing Russell Wilson or anything. I, and I don't think I'd make a rash move if I were them. It sounds like he'll be back at some point uh, fairly mm-hmm. soon in the season, and I hope he is. I want to see him develop. I want to see the number two pick in last year's draft do well and succeed. But to this point, he hasn't been that good, and – I do wonder if the Jets are going to be, at least for a short term, a little bit better with Joe Flacco in there. I mean, Flacco, whatever he is, he's a good, solid NFL quarterback. We know kind of what he brings to the table. Now, maybe that was three, four years ago he was a solid NFL quarterback. We'll see. But, yeah, it just stinks for the Jets because they got to figure this out. They got Is that looking good? And if he keeps getting hurt, it gets harder and harder to figure out the answer to that question well frank let, think about it they used a third round of a, a number three overall pick in sam darnold they, they come back a couple years yeah. later get the number two pick and get zach wilson i mean there's there's the potential that they are so bad 
could they possibly go into next year's draft for another quarterback? Or is that the doom? They, or, or they got to ride the horse on Zach Wilson, right? Because then the GM and the coach are going to be gone because everybody's like, yeah. I don't know what you're doing. I mean, at some point, you just don't get the draft quarterback after quarterback after quarterback and keep your job. Like, I mean, it's, right. you got to get it right. That's the one position that, that you can screw up at cornerback or offensive tackle or whatever, but he's screwing up a quarterback and somebody else is going to be picking the next quarterback. Yeah. I don't know. I, we'll have to see Zach Wilson this year before we can really give an answer to yeah. that. But, yeah, it's <laughs> Zach Wilson struggles this year, really struggles. Ooh. And they have a top-five pick. And next year's quarterback class is supposed to be really good. Yeah. Uh, you, you just have to get that, that position right. And even if you've drafted Zach Wilson second, if you're kind of convinced after two years, this just ain't the guy. He ain't got it. I don't know. It's, it's tough to just move on and, and and just say that's a lost pick and all that kind of stuff. But you can't. You got to get it right at some point. And if you truly believe Zach Wilson ain't it, then you might have to do that. As tough as it would be. And there'll be a new GM making the pick for sure. Um, Frank Schwab, uh, kind yeah. enough to join us here. All right, um, you saw Trey Lance a little bit uh, at San Francisco. Did they? Did they? Do you see the potential there in him? Yeah, I really like him. I think he's a really good football player, and I think he's going to have a heck of a year. I, I, I just he threw like eighty some passes last year. I think it was eighty three was the final number, and so many people have just given up on him already. And I never, I don't really get it. I don't understand why we're so fast to just say, oh, he's he's maybe not going to be that good. Like, what what would lead you to believe that? He he actually looked okay in one of his two starts, the one against Houston, which Houston's yeah. Houston, they're not great, but he did look good in that game. So. I think he's got a great offensive coach. He's got great offensive skill talent around him between Debo and Ayuk and Kittle. I just think he's really, really good. And you can see it. He threw a long touchdown pass last week where he kind of showed off his arm a little bit. I think he's going to be just fine. I think he's going to actually have a really, really good season. And I just, at some point, Jimmy is just what he is. Jimmy Garoppolo is a good, solid quarterback, and they've won a lot of games with him. And that's a plus for him. But it's more of a plus to me for the Niners that, that, hey, we could take this guy who's probably the 20th best quarterback in the league and keep winning games with him. What if you upgrade that to the 10th best quarterback in the league? What if he's top five at some point? I mean, I think that's still on the table for Trey Lance. He's got all the tools. So it's time for them to figure out what they got with Trey Lance. And honestly, as I sit here today, I think he's going to be just fine. I think he's going to be one of the better stories in the NFL this year. Do you foresee a you know the new change of coach? And obviously, Urban Meyer was was woo out there a little bit, according to what, yeah. everything you hear from players. Do you see Trevor Lawrence, who everybody says is a can't miss Andrew Luck type of guy? Do you see him making a big step up under a new coach, a whole different environment, or are the Jaguars still just so bad he can't possibly do that? I, I hope that he makes a big step up. And the thing is. When you get to that level of prospect, and Mel Kuyper put out his top, I think it was his top 10 highest-graded prospects ever, like whatever, right. maybe it's just quarterbacks. And all 10 of them, there was like one of them that didn't really hit that was bad. And the other nine were anywhere from good starter to like one of the best players of all time. So it's really, really rare for a guy as highly graded as Lawrence to just bust. It's you know, yes, there are quarterback busts, but not. I mean, this guy was in a different tier as far as yes. a, a prospect goes. He was in one of those elite, you know, L.A. Luck, Manning, those type of tier of, of guys. And so I really don't think he's going to miss. I, I just have to blindly believe that Trevor Lawrence is as good as every single person thought he was coming out of college and that 
being saddled with the worst coach in modern NFL history was holding him back. I think he's going to be just fine. I, I think he's going to have a good year. He might not put up 5,000 yards just because I don't know if the infrastructure around him is that right. good. Right. But I think by the end of this year, we're going to say, yeah, Trevor Lawrence was the guy. I mean, go back to Week 18 last year when they beat the Colts. He was the best player on the field. He was excellent in that game. And mm-hmm. I, all season I had been saying, yeah, yeah, I get Urban Meyer's bad coach, but He's not the reason Trevor Lawrence is error mailing all these receivers, right? Like, he's got to take a little bit of responsibility for this, too. But then in Week 18, it was one of those, whoa, okay, now there's Trevor Lawrence. There's a the guy I've been waiting for. It's a good way to go into the offseason. And I, I really, truly believe he's going to be just fine and, and just as good as anybody thought he'd be. The more things change, the more things stay the same. 17 penalties for the Dallas Cowboys. What is <laughs> What is Mike McCarthy doing? Yeah, I know, I know, and he was just—I mean, he was just so frustrated. And I, I mean, when it's year after year with the Cowboys like this, I don't—I'm not going to try to take too. I try really with these preseason games to. There's some things that, that show up that you're like, yeah, that I need to pay attention to that. I need to not pay attention to this with with the with the Cowboys penalties. I'm just choosing to say, all right, whatever. It's preseason. The officials are a little little penalty happy at some times. So, but yeah, they they can't do this again. And he's got to know. I mean, my. McCarthy comes into the season absolutely knowing that he's on the hot seat already. And that's stupid. Uh, in some ways, a guy has just won his division and had a really good season and all that. But Sean Payton's out there. He knows it. Jerry Jones knows it. Every single person in Cowboys Nation knows it. So this, this is one of those things where Mike McCarthy needs to, he needs to have a really, really good season. Or uh, you just have to wonder, Jerry's going to be a little, uh, you know, a, a little impatient. Yeah, um, we had the last dance uh, during COVID that saved the world. Should I spend my time on Netflix and look at this uh, Monte Teo docu- documentary and about uh, well, what went through that poor guy's life? Gee whiz! Yeah, I, I mean, and I was the funny thing is I was that was one year for Yahoo. I covered college football when I when I got with the company, and mm-hmm. it was such a crazy day of this. I, I remember specific this story dropping and trying to make sense of it and it was just it was overwhelming like what in the world am i reading what happened what i still don't and, i still don't understand it frank i still don't right but yes yeah, so watch that documentary it was it was one of the better ones i've seen in a long time and i watch them all i, I kind of yeah, i'm a completist when it comes to sports documentaries i try to watch yeah. every single one so I, I mean this one was one that i would really highly recommend if you still like i mean the initial response to manti Teo was so mean and cruel. He was yes. never looked at as a victim. For some reason, everybody thought he was in on it because everybody loves conspiracy theories for some reason. And I think this documentary really, like, if you come out of this documentary still believing Matt Teo had something to do with this, you, you, you just want to believe that. I mean, he, he clearly was the victim here. Was he naive? Was he gullible? Yes, yes, he was. Yes. But he was the victim here, first of all, from the person who was proclaiming to be somebody they were not. And then he was the victim of the social media mob. And the way he got treated, and there's moments in that documentary, especially we just get to the end of the second episode where, I mean, Manti's really emotional about this stuff, and it's powerful. It's, yeah. it's kind of a, a good lesson in just how a story can get out of wow. control. It's a good lesson in the social media mob. It's, yeah. And it's just a good, it's a good reminder that the Manti Teo story that we might remember wasn't really as we remember it. Like, I mean, if people are still out there saying, oh, yeah, Manti Teo's in on this somehow, I think you come away with this with a totally different viewpoint. You almost have to. And if you don't, you're just never going to be convinced. Yeah. But I thought it was really powerful, really well done. He sat down and seemingly gave them as much time as they wanted. I, I, I couldn't recommend a sports documentary more highly because I think that it just, if, 
if you saw Matt Itao as a sympathetic figure, and I always kind of did, then you're, you just see him as more of a sympathetic figure. And if right. you saw him as some e- evil guy or somebody did something wrong, I almost assume if you really watch this with an open mind, you come away from it completely thinking differently of Matt Itao. Well, I've always said, don't judge until you walk in that person's shoes. So I, yeah. I, I think I'll take your word, and I'll, I'll take a take a watch and, and look at it as well. So, all right, Frank, we're out of time. You're the best. I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate your time. Keep up the great work, and thanks for the the info on the gambling scene. I mean, that fascinates me. But I got I work too hard for my money. I'm not giving it to Vegas, man. I'm not doing it. <laughs> it's it's still fun. I still enjoy it, even though I know that the house always wins. Isn't that the truth? Uh, all right, Frank. Have a great week, buddy. We thank you. Appreciate it. All right, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. Quick timeout. We'll be back to wrap things up here on the Jordy Helford Show in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Tigers and the Astros in southwest Louisiana. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, 55 minutes after the hour. Let's get on out of here. Uh, Todd McShay's got his top draft picks graded. Will Anderson, the linebacker from Alabama, is number one with a grade of 97. Uh, just how good is Kayshawn Butte? Well, he's number six overall with a grade of 93, the first wide receiver by far off the board. So Kayshawn Butte um, going to be a high, high draft pick if, if, he stays healthy. What a fun day it was today. We got all the LSU scrimmage information from Koki Riley. We got college football news from Mike Huguenin. We got the Saints in day two of their practice schedule against the Green Bay Packers from John Hendricks. And Frank Schwab talked about uh, Monte Teow, gambling, and uh, all kind of things in the NFL. Fun, fun day. Um, James Mesh, thank you so much for uh, guiding the ship as you do. In the producer's chair, thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do. We greatly appreciate it. And to our partners that make it possible each and every day, you are awesome because we couldn't do it without you. The Astros have lost two in a row. They'll try and get off the schneid tonight against the, the White Sox. And then tomorrow, it's getaway day. So we will be uh, airing the Houston Astros here during this time slot uh, on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. So we'll be back Friday, bigger and better than ever. So until then... I am Jordy Heltberg. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. That's always the most important thing. Let's be kind to one another, and let's just be happy. Have a great day, everybody. See you soon.